Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ampliverse Book Club. Welcome back. It uh, We just passed spooky season. It's starting to get a little chilly. Uh, so we wanted to read uh, this very exciting book. We are reading My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyinkan Braithwaite. Uh, so today I'm going to introduce our hosts for the book club using pull quotes that are from the book. So I'm very excited for this new game. Yeah. So first we have scorpion tailed leaves a response and a sting. You will remember it's RJ. Hello. (laughs) Up next, we have the wittiest and most fun murder party you've ever been invited to. It's Allie. Hi, Allie. Hello. And finally, a bombshell of a book, sharp, explosive, hilarious. It's Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Oh, hello. Hello. (laughs) Yes, the New York Times wrote all of our introductions today. So thank you to the Times for great work as always. (laughs) All right. So today we are talking about our new pick for the book club. We just read My Sister, the Serial Killer. Uh, so we're just going to start. I mean, I'm going to read the jacket copy a little bit just to give you a, uh, a brief intro on the book. Korere's sister Ayula is many things. The favorite child, the beautiful one, possibly sociopathic. And now Ayula's third boyfriend in a row is dead, stabbed through the heart with Ayula's knife. Korede's practicality is the sister's saving grace. She knows the best solutions for cleaning blood, bleach, bleach, and more bleach, and the best way to move a body, wrap it in sheets like a mummy. And she keeps Ayla from posting pictures to Instagram when she should be mourning her missing boyfriend. Not that she gets any credit. Korede has long been in love with a kind, handsome doctor at the hospital where she works. She dreams of the day when he will realize that she's exactly what he needs. But when he asks Korede for Ayla's phone number, she must reckon with what her sister has become and how far she's willing to go to protect her. The first thing I really want to talk about is how the book is formatted. So each chapter is titled. It's not numbered, but they are very short, almost like one, two pages. I think the most is probably like three or four. Um, they're, it's like short, sweet moments that I feel like they're complete thoughts of how a, like Corrida is thinking as she's press, she's the narrator of the book, how she's processing what's going on following Ayla's story. And I... I just, I'm a grade one reader, so I really appreciated how easy it was to read. Like, Allie and I were talking right before recording that, like, this felt so easy to read, so palatable. I think it was it was almost like, um, if you think of it, so throughout the book, Korede um, speaks to, for most of the book, he's comatose. His name is Mutar. And yes. um, it's almost like they're the snippets that she would have told him in the like little brief oh. chances that she had throughout the day to like go into his room and and talk to him. You know, it was just like really short things here and there that like built yeah. together, but it wasn't like a... I mean, it, it the narrative weaved together, but it was still just very, like you said, very like short to the point. Yeah. 
I didn't think about that. That's neither really did I. <laughs> neither did I, but you're you're super right. I definitely I listened to it as I tend to do. Oh and yes, so yes, yes. um but I did also really enjoy the fact that the chapters were really short. It made it super easy because I primarily listen um like in the car on the way places and obviously I'm not in the mm-hmm. car as much as um yeah. I once was, I work from home. And so like, you know, I was going to rehearsal, which was eight minutes away. So it's like really easy to get to a stopping place um, when you're listening to. Oh, I'm, I'm curious, like how you think I'm, so I'm sure like listening to it, all of the dialogue is obviously a lot more effective because they probably use the dialect and the accents. Correct. Cause in the, in the yes. actual book, they wrote down the dialect. So it had oh, wow. all those extra words in the nice. accents. Mm-hmm. So like, I think in my head, I like did my best to like imagine what it would sound like. Oh yes, definitely. The, um, the person reading the book who, whose name escapes me did, um, have an African accent. And so that was really helpful too, to kind of like, and, uh, she pronounced the name Corday, but, um, um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I really, I really liked it. It helped me get into it. Um, you know, I just, I really like an accent. I like enjoy yeah. listening to something that's different than what I listen to on the regular, you know, every day, <laughs> every day we have, my Just, company has a, has a, a, a branch in Ireland. So I do get to hear Irish accents from time to time. So that's, Oh, wow. Yes. How lucky you are. Do you have any, <laughs> do you have accents in your uh, daily life at Allie? <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's I, so I, I work for, um, my my university the the international office in my university mm-hmm. and so it's actually rare for me to go a day without hearing an accent that's unlike my own so i feel like now now i feel like i've like taken it for granted but um yeah, yeah so that is really cool no Niger- <laughs> well ac- no nigerian accents but um that's okay yeah that's we'll get okay. one one day yeah so I, yeah. Okay. Let's dive into the book. There's so many things to talk about. You could either talk about, I, I think we'll save Ayala for last because she is the, she's a lot as even she's a lot. And even in like Corridor's story, I feel like her life obviously revolves around her. So we'll save her for the end. I'm curious to know like your thoughts about all, I feel like all the other stuff that's sprinkled in that she kind of leaves you just to like, think about one of the main things is obviously like crime the like punishment for crime, the criminal justice system, obviously in, uh, and like there's a lot of corruption and flaw. there's a couple of instances of where she does interact with the police, obviously because, you know, she is super guilty about this crime that she may have, that she's committed. But like there was that instance where she got a seatbelt ticket and they, you know, basically her only way out was to just pay up, um, and then even to the point where they searched her car for, for the, for Fem- when Femi went missing and they had to charge her for bringing her car back to, to her work. Um, and then even, I, you know, I think at the end to like when Tare uh, ultimately gets sentenced uh, f- uh, for harming Ayala. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just curious, like your thoughts on like how you think justice was served. Obviously there's a lack of it, but like, it seems like it's out. It's not just kind of like the internal justice that, the two sisters feel, but it's almost like in the system that they're in, you know? Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I don't know a lot about um, the justice system outside of our country. And so I did think that it gave me an insight, um, a little bit of one anyway, because obviously it's a novel, so I can't 
take everything for for a hundred percent truth, but I'm sure it was based in truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think one of the most interesting parts to me in terms of like um, Corede interacting with the justice system is that she was, and I mean, this is the theme of the entire book, but she never really seemed that concerned about like her, like herself yeah. getting caught. She was mostly concerned about like, sorry, there's a gnat. Um, <laughs> Ayla. Um, Much being, like Ayla is a gnat in Corey's yeah, life. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but like, cause you know, obviously like if, if they found out about it, like Corey would also go to jail and you know, yeah. But it was just interesting to me that that kind of seemed secondhand to her. Um, and it also just, I think, I think when, when you're thinking about, I feel like it, reading this book through the lens of like, we're in a culture that's obsessed with true crime. Mm -hmm. And so like when I was reading about her, like cleaning up the blood with the bleach, I was like, well, all they have to get is the luminol in there and, you know, <laughs> and they'll be able to see that someone's been in there to clean up the bathroom for, you know? Yeah. I, and, and so it's interesting to, to get that different perspective of um, a country and a justice system that isn't as like, uh, you know, as I, I don't know, as, um, not detailed, but um, as the, the way the American justice system is. Yeah. Yeah. Different. Well, even like when you were saying like, yeah, like the true crime of it all, there is still a sense of like a little bit of that. Like obviously like the Instagram and the Snapchats um, mm -hmm. and Facebook, like a lot of that, like kind of keeping keeping up what, what people are, are in their lives. Like obviously like when Femi went missing, like, Corey Day, like, was obsessively, like, you know, stalking that hashtag, seeing, like, what people were right. saying. Um, and it, just crazy just to think, like, Ayala, that was not even, like, a problem for her. She was like, I just want to post my nice selfies on Instagram yeah. and Snapchat. And even, like, there was that moment where she took her phone and was like, no, not yet. Mm -hmm. Like, do not do, do not post anything. <laughs> well, and that's what you were just saying, Allie, made me think of um, the little story. I feel like it was towards the end. I kind of, you know, the things that are not necessarily in the timeline order, I kind of don't remember where mm -hmm. they were. But I think it was towards yeah. the end where she was talking about when her sister was born and her mom told yes. her, like, it's your job to take care of her. Like, this is your yeah. responsibility as a big sister. Um, and it's kind of like she's taken that beyond her responsibility of taking care of herself, like above all else, this is my responsibility to take care of my little sister. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that like little family dynamic. Cause <laughs> I mean, like I, I am the youngest. I think Allie is the youngest. Catherine, are you the youngest or are you the I'm oldest? I'm the oldest. Oh, you are the oldest. Okay. So curious to know your thoughts. Like I know for me when I like as the youngest, like I had a really big age gap with my siblings. So like my parents kind of, I don't know. I felt like a latchkey kid most of my life. But I, I know that like people that I know that are youngest that are closer. Yeah. There were a lot of moments that like the older sibling does take over. Um, and kind of like, you know, take care of them, make sure they're okay. But what's it like on the other side? <laughs> um, well, my brother and I weren't super far apart. We're like four and a half years um, apart. Okay. So um, I, I didn't really do a lot of caretaking because I wasn't that much yeah. older. And we never yeah, really yeah. got along. Like we weren't ever really like, <laughs> like the two of them are like friends and they like hang yeah. out together. We never really have had that. Um <laughs> 
But I do definitely relate to the like the insinuations from the mom about, you know, oh, well, you know, just almost babying her because she is the baby. Mm -hmm. Like I super relate to that. Um, I definitely felt like as the older child that a lot of things not necessarily his well-being, but a lot of things like when something would go wrong, even if both of us participated, it was my responsibility because I was the older child and I should have said, no, we shouldn't be doing this, like that kind of thing. So I I guess in a way that makes me wonder, and I'm just thinking of this right now, like what would have happened if they had gotten caught? You know, would the mom have been mad at Iola or at Corde because you didn't stop your sister from doing this? Like what, you know, like this is on you. I mean, even with that, like she had that whole imagined sequence where she would tell her mom and even she was like, no, my mom would fully be still like blame me, which like it was so crazy when it got to the part where uh, like Ayala's like, you know, standing up Tade and everything and he started doing it. It was like, well, you know, all she wants is like your approval or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So why don't you blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God. I could not with that. And I also could not with her, with um, Iola talking badly to Tade about her. When it's like, you owe her so much. Literally your life. Literally your life. (laughs) I I can't. I was so annoyed. Super annoyed. I know. But yes, the family dynamics interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. What did you think about Corede as an, a narrator? I was really. It was really interesting. I think like the the idea of her like talking to this coma patient that's like her best friend because she can just talk. I, I like making that link when when you said it. I think. It has given me a better appreciation of her as a narrator because she just has so much like her world and how she functions is just be practical. You don't have time to think you just have to like fix everything. She's a nurse like that is just my mom's a nurse very much like this. And like I know like in the moments where we are like not like when my mom and I are like not kind of like being mom son being people in the world where she can just kind of like talk about her feelings and stuff like it's very much like there's so much there that I think there's just so much that she is is able to share and I I don't know I really fell for her obviously there were moments where I was like mad at her obviously like you know because it felt like she could have done more or like she could have like I don't know like she got in her head first like she was always her first person to like tell her off even though all these other people are are kind of like pushing her off or whatever she was always the first person to kind of like convince her of what she was and um which is you know what you get when you have like that kind of like unreliable narrator of like well I'm following her thoughts and emotions so it's so funny that is literally the phrase I was about to use I was like I love an unreliable narrator like (laughs) that's what drew me when I was in college and I read my first Faulkner um, novel. I was like, I I was just fascinated by the idea of an unreliable narrator. It was as I lay dying. And to have the different perspectives, I mean, obviously this book had a single perspective, but to have the different perspectives and people um, sharing the way that something happened in a completely different way from another person, yeah. um, that I was just, I fell in love with that. And so I, I did enjoy, I like going down 
um, the path with the character. I like, mm-hmm. I like that kind of narrator. So I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought it was so interesting that you kind of, I mean, you go into it being like, Isla is kind of a mess. And like, she probably, she, in real, you know, objectively, she probably was kind of a mess. But yeah. like, so much of it was informed by this idea of like, she needs to be taken care of. Um, she can't control her own actions. Like that was like the beginning of the narrative was I have to come in and clean up her messes. And so I I thought it was really interesting in that way. And I, and I think that it's also interesting to look at her um, as the narrative, the narrator being informed by kind of like the society and culture that she was raised in, which was this idea of, you know, like, a very patriarchal kind of the household that she grew up in. And so in seeing that always almost kind of sympathizing with the, um, with the man instead of the woman, you know, I just thought it was, um, it was just interesting in that respect. Yeah. And what you said, that was something I didn't think about. Like as the unreliable narrator, it's like maybe Iola was built like this because of how much she was infantilized throughout her life, not only by her mother, but by her older sister who, you know, took that on as part of their culture. So that, that's a good point that I hadn't considered. Yeah. I mean, like the more, like, obviously like the first time she sees her, she says like, she's not she's a doll and then you know when the mom says like she's not a doll but yeah like throughout her life like this idea of beauty and how it affects both of the the sisters because I feel like Isla because she was born with this beauty and like was always like automatically prescribed to how she should be treated by everyone her mom her sister her dad other men like there's already that immediate like oh you're the like you are either something I need to conquer or like something I need to protect. Like this just, there's no in between for her. She is just only those two things for, for either a man or a woman. Um, And I just thought that was interesting because she, as a character, yes, it's sociopathy, but like she wove around that. So like effortlessly, I think in her time now, obviously you see like what happens, like, how she is like obviously like beaten by her father but also like almost essentially sold into like being a a young wife um but like all of that trauma leading up to to her now it's almost like what she knows best like she can turn it on and off she knows what role she plays for people who depending on who's looking at her and that's why she gets away with everything that she does. And so, yeah, it's that idea of like, is it her fault or is it the society's fault that has always treated her in a, in a way, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, I could not believe that. I, I just, I don't know if we want to go here yet. So stop me if, if we don't. No, but let's I, do it. Let's the, do it. Like, I could not believe that in the end, she's like, bye, Tade. Like that Corday is like, whatever, like I was, I just knew that she was going to take that opportunity. You know what I mean? Because you can sense throughout the book that she's getting increasingly more aggravated with her sister, especially once Tade comes into the equation. And so I was like, here's her chance. She's going to take it, but she doesn't. And, and again, it's, that's the thing is like, that has to be not only familial, but societal, that instead yeah. of let me, this person that I have always adored, that I know is a wonderful person, like, 
let me go the side of my family instead. Yeah. You know, it. I was surprised. Do you, <laughs> did you want her to be with Tade? Corday? Did you, yeah, Corday. Did you want Corday to end up with Tade? I don't know what I wanted. I was just along <laughs> for the ride. I was just along for the ride. <laughs> I really don't know. I I think that even though Ayla was, had a lot of issues, I think she was very insightful when she was like, he only, he's only interested in looks. Like she was a hundred percent right. You know, okay. the yeah. whole conversation when he told Corede that he was going to propose and she was like, okay, well, what do you like about my sister? You know, okay. like, what is it about her that makes you want to propose? I think it, and I, and so I think, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't by at the beginning. I was like, Oh, he sounds so nice. But the, by the end I was like, I'm not really rooting for you anymore. Yeah. Well, in that conversation that you're talking about, that was an interesting moment for me too, because it wasn't, well, why do you want her? Like it wasn't this. Okay. But here are all the things about me. It was, Oh, well, he doesn't know any of these wonderful things about her. Like it Mm -hmm. really was a sister, a a sisterly, like it would have been, it's as though it would have been one thing if he had said all of the qualities about Iola that Corday likes, um, that Corday sees as positive qualities in her. But instead, all he could say was that she was beautiful and perfect. And she was like, well, then you're not it. You're not, Yeah. you're not the vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy how that turned out. Like, you just saw, like, oh, yeah, he is just like every other g- man that <laughs> that has, like, fallen into Ayala's. And, you know, you could even say, like, maybe that's the goal. Ayala wants to find someone that can't be swayed by that, you know? But I don't know. I can't get into a mind of a serial killer. Let's talk about the hit list, okay? <laughs> we had Peter in college. We had Femi, we had Boyega, who was like the rich man, Tade, who obviously didn't work, a potential fifth person, right, at the end. But the father, who, how did he die? That's a great question. I was a little confused. (laughs) He, I read it as he fell and hit his head and bled out because no one helped him. Ah, like all three of them were like, meh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think their mom was there, but I don't think the mom was there. But it was definitely yeah, because he was like trying to punish the two daughters. He was yelling at her. Yeah, oh, that's right. He was popping off. Yeah, and then I yeah he fell, and I guess yeah. So like that's because there was also that obviously like when um their aunt was trying to like you know take uh take Isla to get married to this like old man and that was like the first moment that Corday really like defended her sister with you know took the her dad's cane and was like I will beat you with this if you take her um and then there was that line where you know Isla was like you know he's gonna he's he's gonna kill us basically because we disobeyed his orders and she was like well not if we kill him first so that's why I was like did they kill him I think I think it just ended. Maybe it's meant to be like maybe right. she pushed him so. or something, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I thought at first, like when I was getting into the book, the whole serial killer thing was like, oh, I thought that was just like a fun, 
I don't know. Like, it, I thought it was like, it's not really a serial killer. But it's straight up like in the first two chapters, she's like, when you've killed more than three people, that it's, the third technically makes it a serial killer. She's like, by definition. By definition, you are. Um, I am curious, like, what you guys think about this whole, obviously, like, her alibis every single time, right? Like, she uses, going back to that idea of she knows exactly what role to play when it comes to, like, beauty and how people desire her. Her 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 alibi every time is that, like, well, he hit me, so it was self-defense. Um, yeah, I'm curious what you think about just her her tactics there. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's interesting to me that she uses it even with her sister. Um, like you would think that if, if she's like telling her sister, I killed, I killed a man. Can you please come help me get rid of the body? You know, she could at least reveal what actually happened. But I also think even if she did reveal what really happened, I don't know if Corday would have believed her yeah you know um i think that she was kind of set up to to just think that whatever ayula was saying was gonna be crazy and far-fetched and and whatever um so i i think it's just it's it's interesting to me to think about it in in the terms of the power dynamic which was like yeah. this was how ayula was able to like reclaim her power was through yeah. murdering a man you know yeah but that is interesting that she, yeah, she doesn't even give her sister the benefit of like what's actually going on. She's still even telling her sister a fabricated story or a mm -hmm. version of the story. Because even if you don't believe that, even in the Tade like situation, she tells something different to any to whoever's talking to her. Right. So you know, and I do think that that is also um, part of the. The beauty. I think that that really truly is because um, it's it's really interesting. I just started reading and then stopped reading because there was a dog situation. I was like, I don't think I can read this book. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was Gerald's Game by Stephen King. I don't know if you guys. Have oh read that. yes, yes, yes. But yes, yes. at the beginning, the the wife talks about like, you know, if I say that he raped me, will they believe me? You know, and it and it's one of those things where it. I think it's a similar situation. Like in this situation, let's think about Corday. Like if Corday said that somebody beat her and that's why she killed him, like would people believe her? And I, I honestly don't think so. Not these people in her circle anyway, that, that seem to think that her, that every, she is expected to be the level headed one because that's, yeah. because that's what she has. She doesn't have beauty supposedly, yeah. but she has level headedness. So she's expected to play that. Whereas Iola's like, Oh, this is all I have. He, he came for my beauty. You know what I mean? I was protecting my, what I have. I was protecting who I am almost. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Um, I just like, I'm so fascinated by Isla, which is just <laughs> I don't know like the moment that really made me be like this is something that I can't even imagine a person can do and it's when Femi's sister who is the sister of the the last person that died she comes and she's fully like what did you do to him where is he and Isla just in a snap just changes like oh basically that like, comforts her because she's mm -hmm. like 
ultimately that's what this girl is looking for. She's not actually looking for it. She just wants to be comforted and like basically find the closure that like Femi's gone and the like maniacal way that she's even like how Corida describes her as like she's so mad that she can't eat her ice cream right now. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Oh. So yeah. Good. I think that was one of my um one of the parts of the book that I enjoyed was there was a really sharp wit about it and just yeah. like little and and they were just dropped in like one of my favorite ones that killed me was when she was like Isla looks like a, a Bratz doll and I look like a voodoo figurine. I <laughs> I was dead. I was like – and it was just like here and there, just these really like just dark bits of humor that were just so funny and I, I thought really added to the tone of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the best part like when you're dealing with something so heavy. I mean like it's the whole true crime thing, right? Like it that's is. why my favorite murder is so famous because – Yes, it's so gruesome, but like hearing people like kind of laugh about it is there's something about because they're not laughing at like murder, murder. They are laughing just like the situation that is, you know, it's almost like the ir- ironic, like Truman show of it all. Of like, what the fu- what is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite scenes. And I, I had to kind of like read it twice just to be like, wow, this is so insane. This woman is insane. Oh, yeah. I was really blown away by the whole section. Like, when the rich guy came in, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I just, I just, I I didn't even know what to do with that information. And then, of course, yeah. he's like, oh, well, I don't know what happened. He got sick and he died. or yeah, he, he got food poisoning. He got food poisoning yeah. and he died. Isn't that weird? And And it's like, what? what and then of course the same thing like Corday was stalking um Femi's poems and everything mm-hmm. she's stalking the rich guy's wife on their Facebook yeah. and she's like I wonder if she knows you know yeah anyway I just I was blown away by that entire situation because I was like here I, I just felt like it was the Iola show you know what I mean yeah. it's the Iola show yeah yeah even like at that point when Obviously, like, uh, there was a new guy that was in, like, obviously she was cheating on Tade. Right. And there was that whole, uh, you know, obviously, like, there was that whole thing, like, even Tade was, like, blaming Corridor of, like, well, you don't give her enough attention, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And even, like, when she, when that when that other guy died, when um, Boyega died, uh, it was so nonchalant from everyone. Like, Iola was just, like, Hey, and I didn't need you. Like, that was how good it was. Like, she didn't need Corridor to clean that up. And so even Corridor was just like, great. Like, <laughs> um, but like the way that like Tade like easily jumped back into it too of like, well, Ayula's like, you know, back now. She's feeling like she wants to do this again now. It's just like, oh my God. It's, she fully it's is the, like, like star of her own show. Right. It's the power of, it's the power of beauty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, literally getting away with murder mm-hmm. yeah totally i think an alternate title for the book could have just been pretty privilege mm-hmm. yeah i also um i i just want to say too that i i'm very particular about when people like 
when we we do commentary on current society, so like all the yeah. shows that are coming out now about like COVID, I'm like, do we really need this right now? <laughs> but I do in certain circumstances, I do really enjoy like, you know, talking about like social media influencers because that's, mm-hmm. you know, Isla was, was in that way. And so it reminded me, RJ, when we read What's Mine and Yours, do you remember um, Margarita? Margo, yes, like middle it, sister. Yeah, yes, yeah. it reminded me a little bit of her where there's just like this disconnect there where you're like, what? You're not okay. And it's just, yeah. I, I love that kind of, uh, that kind of glimpse at like, are, are social media influencers sociopaths? But, I mean, yeah, like, not. but there's <laughs> like, not, yeah, obviously. Like that, that that feeling of like what it takes to be able to ignore yes. every single other part of your life in order to like portray yeah. this really like, look at what I'm cooking right now and having to be like yeah. off frame, like, what are we cooking? Right. Oh my God. <laughs> like- yes. Yeah. Right. It's yes. a mask. And when that's the mask that you wear that the whole world sees, like who's under that mask, you know, like if that's all you're ever presenting, like. And if that's not you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. then who yeah. are you? What's there? Yeah, I agree. That's the that's the part when it gets tricky, obviously. It's like when what you're trying to present and perform is just to, like, please the people around you. And I think, like, obviously, like, we're getting a really extreme version because, like, f- from childhood, like, they kind of had to do it to survive, right? But, like, seeing how that manifests when they grow up, it's, like, it's easy to – it's really interesting to see yeah how how they creep into like different facets of ourselves whether it's like in our jobs like how we perceive ourselves on social media or like in our relationships so yeah man i think it's just <laughs> just be yourself my god <laughs> for real it's exhausting to try to not be like how do you keep up with that i don't know that is what i'm saying if i was in isla's shoes i would be so exhausted every day to be like what story did i tell you what uh did i tell you when i talked to you yeah but like the thing is like she doesn't even care if she gets it wrong or whatever because she knows she can it's the pretty privilege yeah like she knows she can get away with it because people just won't even assume that from her initially anyway mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's it's insane <laughs> we sh- people should be so lucky <laughs> when they can pull that off i'm too self-conscious to, to do that <laughs> oh same no i'm i i'm again like you said it's exhausting i'm like i can't imagine no thank you yeah um i i guess one of the last things that i want to like ask is can corede stop her sister or is this their lot in life? I don't think she wants to. Mm, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think that was like the big thing. Like, obviously, you you think that she, yeah, she wants to or that she's really trying. But truly, as like you're reading the book, it's all in her head. It's just like what she wishes she could say or what she wishes she could do. But ultimately, yeah, she doesn't actively i think the only time she really defies yes the only time she truly defies trying to do something is when she's in that situation with tade not only being like you don't want to marry her she has hurt people um but even when she said that like uh ayala already has had implanted thoughts in tade's mind anyway of like she knew you would say that or like she's like Mm -hmm. 
she knows that that's how you feel about her. Blah 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 blah. Um, and then even to when the you know when he destroy when she destroys the the ring that he's going to engage to to Ayala, um, that's kind of like really the only moment that you feel there is some sort of defiance. But right, which is then I mean, but but that's but that's building. You know what I mean? Like the ring is first, yeah. and then the moment where she lets it slip, and obviously the conversations with Mutar after he wakes up, like. Like somebody else knows. And then at the end, it's like, oh, she, you know, she got there in time. Tade's not dead. And then instead, Mm -hmm. she rolls on Tade instead. Yeah. And so I was just, I was shocked. Yeah. Can I, I I forgot there was one thing that I wanted to mention that we haven't talked about, which are her coworkers, the nurses, which I felt were like this fun, like Greek chorus. Oh, absolutely. Like, they were the yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. I loved it. I just, I don't have much more to say about it other than that, but I just felt like we couldn't go through this without mentioning them. Agreed. Yeah. Because it, yeah. Yeah, because there was like a sense fun. of like they would tease each other, but still all followed the like hierarchy of you know, the nursing, whatever, like, obviously they still like listen to her when she, when she finally became head nurse, they kind of like stopped teasing her. But when they were all kind of just in the same level, everyone was teasing everyone. And, um, that's like, I, like my mom is a nurse and her closest friends obviously are her coworkers because there is that sense of like, I can't believe we have to do this. Like we gotta, you know, we gotta make sure our patients don't like soil themselves. Like there's that sense of like, in we're the in the deep trenches. Yes, mm-hmm. we're in the trenches of it. So it's like then it's not and nothing is nothing is serious uh, in that way. So it is kind of like a fun juxtaposition, even when like Ayala sometimes like you know like jumps in and like it's like let's have lunch or whatever. It's just like a all the nurses like have a great time about it and there's so much in Corridor's head like now people are gonna like compare us blah 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 but they're all like who cares like go have lunch right. <laughs> And they're also like, wait, you have a sister? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I had no idea. I know. I definitely, yeah. I definitely had a good time with, with them too. I did feel bad that like the guy that was cleaning yes. the, the janitor, yeah. Muhammad, had to get fired. Collateral damage. Right. Collateral and to, damage. And that's also an interesting point too because like Corday is obsessed with cleanliness, of course, like clearly. Yeah. But also it's like, to some extent, I almost feel like she's projecting how she feels about herself onto Muhammad, even though with mm-hmm. herself, it's not outward appearance and with him yeah. it is, but it's at the same time, it's like, they're kind of parallel almost, yeah. you know, yeah. um, because he's not this, she's like, why do they want him? You know? Yeah. You know, so I'm like crazy when they were f- literally physically fighting. I was like, I had to go back. I was like, wait, who are these? Two- oh, it's it's just the other nurses fighting about this one. The guy with janitor. the dirty water. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, yeah, I think like I guess my biggest takeaway really is that like it is such a weird, crazy like com- combination of that like. Yeah, it is dealing with all these like really heavy stuff and like heavy themes, but the wit and the sharpness of the jokes and the like realism of the comedy, like it's so grounded that you're just like, oh man, like these are real people. I am reading real people's like stories right now, even though Mm -hmm. it's crazy, you know? Yeah. 
especially yeah. those references to social media, because I feel like for me, I very rarely read things that are like here and now and like real mm-hmm. life. Like I read a lot of not that stuff, as yeah. you know. And so, <laughs> so I was like, wait, you guys aren't on a spaceship? Like, you know, like, <laughs> wait, you guys are on the planet Earth? Earth? Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, anyway. Well, I'm so happy that we got to read this. This book has been, like, in my bookshelf for literally, like, a year before we we decided to read it. So I'm happy that I finally did it. Um, But highly recommend it to everyone. If you did not get to read this book, you can still order it. Um, We have, we are officially an affiliate of bookshop.org. So you can order this book and all of the uh, Ampliverse Book Club books on our link bookshop.org slash shop slash the Ampliverse. Obviously we'll post that down uh, in the show notes below. As far as our next book. Okay. I've thought long and hard about this and I, uh, Allie and I made a joke of like, what if we do read something that's like older? And I was like, great. I can finally read some of the books that I wanted to read. And um, the holiday season is just around the corner. So I thought what better time than to read Agatha Christie's. Hercule Poirot's Christmas. So I've never read a Poirot mystery novel before. Um, Either. Great. Perfect. I'm so excited. There is one called Christmas that is set in the holidays. He's like a guest at like this like Christmas like event or whatever. And then obviously someone dies. So he has to figure out who is the real killer. Um, all at the same time, he's one of the suspects too. So Never read a Poirot. I'm very excited. Uh, I love Knives Out, so I think I'll have a really good time. Yes. Reading reading an actual mystery novel. So next month, we will be reading Hercule Poirot's Christmas by Agatha Christie. So you can grab a copy of that and all of our books, like I said, in our Ampliverse bookshop. Because if you purchase there, not only does it help the Ampliverse, but it also supports a local bookstore in your area. So that's at bookshop.org slash shop slash the Ampliverse. Thank you so much for watching and listening along to the Ampliverse Book Club. You can find and follow us on social media at the Ampliverse on Twitter and Instagram. And feel free to keep the conversation going across the Ampliverse by joining our Discord server as well. That's linked on this episode. Finally, if you love the show and the others that we do here, and if you feel obliged to tip a dollar or two, you can do that on our Ko-fi, linked also in this episode, which helps keep the light on in our universe. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Catherine, for joining me in book club this month. We'll see you next month. Everyone, we'll see you. Uh, don't forget to read on and buy buy our books in the bookshop. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> buy our books, please. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>